We're continuing in our series called Unself. And this series is leading us towards uh, the great celebration of uh, the resurrection of our Lord that uh, uh, sealed the deal uh, that we rejoice in. It is the very reason why we follow Christ. Um, And it's not because of his teachings. Um, It's not even because of his death. A lot of people teach great things and a lot of people have died. But I'm gonna tell you, there's only one that has risen from the dead to overcome grave for us. And uh, so uh, he uh, himself led us on this journey uh, towards the cross and towards resurrection and and the glory that God gives us. And uh, so we are walking the journey through the book of Luke as Jesus has showed us how to prepare for what uh, he wants to give us. And he wants to give us life and life abundantly. He wants to give us the experience of joy of what we were created for But there is a journey towards that. There is a process that brings that. And it is the process of learning to unself ourselves. Because the greatest barrier from receiving the life that God has for us is ourself. Almost in every case, the thing that has robbed us of the joy uh, that God has for us is ourself. Uh, we have turned inward on ourself. We have begun to see ourself as the end result and goal of everything. Everything we do is about my happiness. It is about what I want. It's about how I see things. It's about my control over uh, my life. And Jesus has showed us that this is not uh, the way to receive uh, what he has for us. Because really, we have become enslaved to ourself. Because we have been enslaved to our own happiness of trying to grab everything we can, we have actually lost the very thing we're trying to achieve. Because in trying to serve ourself, we actually lose ourself. We actually become less and less substantive. We become more and more superficial as we focus on pleasure and desires and experiences and getting for me we realize that that is not the substance of life Um, it, it is like more and more turning our diet towards cotton candy that is 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 a sweet taste but it just disappears and it gives no fulfillment um it leaves us empty and 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 restless and frustrated even though many times we are so craving that sweetness. And yet Jesus says there's something better, that I can give you what you are really craving for, but it does not come through yourself. And and so we have looked at, first of all, how Jesus showed us that the first step in unselfing ourselves is submitting our will to the will of God. Um, It is turning away from the temptation to seek our our desires. And and we saw that as Jesus was tempted uh, uh, in the wilderness uh, with this great response that he says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You see, Jesus showed us that our desires and, and all the things that we want, the bread of this life, 
does not bring life. Um, it is only the words of God that brings deep life, that brings a, a, a stable life, a, a life that is so much more substantial, that matters, that leaves us full and energized. Whereas the bread of this world, our own desires, all the things that tempt us, relationships, feelings, uh, uh, emotions, and, and all of those things, they're great. And God's not saying they're not great, but they come through the word of God, not through us grasping them for ourselves. And then we have also uh, looked at, uh, we need to free ourselves from self-righteousness, that we need to understand who we are before we can really experience life we have got to die to this thought that we can do it ourselves. That in myself, I'm not so bad. That I just need to be good enough. That is the biggest lie because none of us can be good enough. Um, good enough does not save us. Um, we, I don't disagree that there are some good people. But deep down within us, if we're honest with ourselves, we know that we're all broken. No matter how good we try and be, on the inside, we are struggling with our own demons, whether it is lust or greed or envy or judgment or, or being critical or, or unforgiveness or, or, or uh, a, a myriad of things that we all struggle with. So we know that we are not good enough. And, and so it is dying to that self-righteous and letting the great physician be our focus, that Jesus said, I've come uh, for the sick and the sinners, and that if we will begin to see ourselves as sick and sinners, then the great news is that Jesus has come for us, that, that he has made a way, that there's hope because we have someone that uh, ha has cured the disease. And, and so we've got to let go of our own self-righteousness so that we can be embraced by the one that can fix it all. Today we want to move forward in Luke, and uh, we're going to move to Luke chapter 9 um, uh, and read these words of Jesus, uh, starting in verse 22. And this is what Jesus said. Jesus was saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed on the third day, and be raised. And he said to everyone there, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but he loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God.
So what is Jesus saying? He is giving a plea to the people that were following him. And the pleas that Jesus gave, uh, the calls that he made, uh, many times we are facing people that are speaking into our life. And most of the time in this world, um, there are two different ways that people um, uh, motivate us. Um, And we look at these in two different ways. It is either through code or through pitch. And we are bombarded by these two things in our world today, um, uh, means of motivating us, um, and they are distinctly different. First of all, when we think of code, when we, when we think of that, there's a motivation of, of uh, there is a code that we can follow, and there's a promise that if we follow this code, um, it, it will lead us to a destination that we're looking for. But uh, a code uh, calls for devotion or sacrifice for something that is higher and outside of ourselves. So code focuses on, on uh, uh, something out there. Uh, and, and we are trying to attain to that. And, and so I, I, I'm embracing this code because it's about this, this, this out there thing. Whereas pitch and, and people that are giving us a pitch, uh, they are trying to motivate you through personal gratification that it's all within you. It's not out there. It's in here. And, and so, of course, we see this a lot, um, that uh, people give us their pitch, um, that uh, it's not about, there's not some elevated thing out there that is higher than yourself. It's about taking yourself and elevating yourself. And we know all about that, that people says, you know what, it's about raising yourself up, believing in yourself, and, and you, can, you can do it, um, right? Uh, it is the appeal to a consumer, right? It's this a consumer pitch. You know, you need this. You want this. It's going to feel good. It's going to taste great. It's going to uh, be great. That's what a pitch does. It focuses, it appeals to elevating yourself. Uh, When we think of a code, uh, a code is something that is set in stone. It does not change, uh, and it doesn't care what you think about it because it's the code. And and, and it has a focus out there that if we're going to attain this, it cannot be changed. Um, And and, and so the code is an unflexible, solid, uh, immovable way to guide your life on the other hand a pitch is something that you know what it'll change depending on who i'm talking to um, if i'm given my pitch I, i'm looking for people uh, who will buy my product who will come my way and, and and so when the code doesn't care how many people follow it because the code's the code and if you don't like it oh well the pitch says no 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 i want you to like it i want to gain more people i do care what people think about me um, and, and i want you to buy in on what i'm selling and so the pitch is willing to be flexible it's willing to change it's willing to meet your desires and uh, okay, I'll give in, I'll compromise because I don't want to lose you. And, and so um, it is very flexible. So when we look at these two approaches, um, we can see right away that Jesus never used pitch. 
Jesus didn't have a pitch to give. Um, uh, We see that when we look at these words today, Jesus was not concerned with what people thought. Uh, Many times, this is where I I don't understand people that are not Christians, they think that Jesus was just a great teacher and they admire him. You know what, I want to ask them, have you read what he really said? I don't know how, if you're not a Christian, how you admire Jesus because his words cut you to the bone. And if you're not a Christian, if, have you really read his words? Then you're pretty much out because he said the hardest things to the people, the biggest crowds that were trying to, to follow him. Um, he said things like, you need to hate your mother and father and love me. Uh, in the same chapter that we read, he, he said, uh, you know, you want to follow me? He said, okay, you realize that, that uh, uh, animals have burrows and birds have nests, but if you're going to follow me, you don't even get to stay anywhere. You get to lose everything. Oh, really? Wow, that's appealing. You know, uh, he, he said to uh, people, uh, he said, I want to follow you, but let me go uh, uh, bury my father. He said, let the dead bury the dead. Really? You know, he said, well, let me just go say goodbye to my friends. He said, hey, no one that puts their hand to the plow and turns back, you're not even worthy of me. Dang, Jesus, I'm, I want to follow you. He said the hardest thing, so he was not worried about a pitch. The words of Jesus are not a pitch. In fact, they do just the opposite. Um, he didn't uh, 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 try and gather the crowds, although they were gathered by other reasons, but as soon as they gathered and started listening, he began to thin the crowds. Because at this point, getting towards the end, he even began to tell them things like, if you want to enter into the kingdom of God, you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Oh, now that was the end for some of them. Like, we ain't cannibals, Jesus. And it said from that point on, many of them began to walk away. So Jesus actually thinned out the crowd of disciples. And that is because he says this, the way to the kingdom of heaven It's not this easy, big road. In in fact, it's a narrow gate. And few are those that really enter in. But this is what he says. But if you want the benefits, if you believe that I am the son of God and, and that I am offering the kingdom of God and all the promises of God, here's the way you get it. And this is what we see today. The the way to unself yourself is first of all, you have to deny yourself. The word deny there actually uh, is the word to renounce, disown. You have to disown yourself is what he's saying. Uh, But Jesus said, here is what you have to do. You've got to step off the throne of your life. To renounce yourself means it's kind of like a king that is in control, but he renounces the throne He steps down. Um, You have to give up control. That's what it really means to deny yourself. We have to begin to give up control. Who gets to decide the direction of your life? If you want to receive the inheritance of glory, here's what Jesus says. Get out of the driver's seat. Get in the back seat. That's what it means to deny yourself. He says, I, I'm still taking you there. Now, here's the crazy thing that people refuse to do it because 
instead of getting out of the driver's seat and getting in the back seat, they said, well, I'm getting out of this car altogether. How stupid. You're on a bus to glory, to a, a, a life unimaginable that God has promised us, eternal life. And just because we can't drive, well, I'm not going to go then. And yet that's what we're doing. And Jesus said, if you want to get there, you can't drive, but you can stay in the bus. Just deny yourself. You have to renounce, you have to give up control. Because this bus cannot be driven by you and make it. Um, it it's kind of like um, uh, if you moved up to Alaska and to get to the greatest resort you had to go through some mountain passes up there. Have you ever watched the, the TV show uh, Ice Road Truckers or whatever? Um, if you had to go on this road and you were going to drive yourself and you were not an experienced trucker on that type of road, there ain't, and I wouldn't want to. That would be the scariest thing. And I've seen some of those things. Um, this is what Jesus says. Believe me, the road to heaven, you can't navigate because you're not able to, and yet we think we are, and yet it's like doing that. You're going to drive to your death. I'm sorry. You just, you cannot do it, uh, and that's what Jesus is saying. I'm the one. I am the only one that can do it. And I know people hate that he puts himself in that category, but he said, but it, I'm not trying to be arrogant. I'm just the only one that can make that drive, um, and, and, and so if we want what God has for us, we have got to say, Jesus, you're in control of my life. Even when I don't agree with when you say to turn here or not to turn here, even when I don't understand why you're leading me down this road, wouldn't it be faster? He says, you got to trust me. See, here's what it is. If you want your life to end up with Jesus, then you can't drive. It can't be around you. But if you want it to be around you, if you want to be the one that leads your life the way you want it, you, want to, you don't want to miss out on what everyone else is doing, okay, then just accept that you're not going to end up with me. Period. The end. Oh, well, I'm a good person. I'll end up heaven. No, you won't. There will be good people, and you will be suffering in hell saying, why did I not listen? It's, it is a give it or take it proposition. It's not a pitch. This is just the way it is. And yet it's a loving invitation because he says, I don't want you to miss out. I'm giving you opportunity if you will deny yourself. Now, here's the problem. Most of us will never deny ourselves for this simple reason because we still trust ourselves. And until we stop trusting ourselves, we will never let him run off. Now, we'll let him drive for a little bit. And then in certain places, okay, wait, wait a second. We're going to take a little break. I got a little side thing to go on. No, no, no. We have to stop trusting ourselves to run our life. Until you stop trusting yourself, you will never give Jesus full reign. You'll try and play the game, but Jesus says there's no marginalization. You can't put me in part of your life. You can, but it's just deceiving yourself. It's just making yourself feel better until you end up in the place that you don't want to be anyway because that's not the place I will take. 
but we have to stop trusting ourselves. Um, we have to become dissatisfied with the way I'm leading my life. And let's be honest, many of us are not that way. If I was asked, who is dissatisfied with the way your life is going? Well, I, I kind of feel my life is going okay. Until you stop trusting what you're doing, you're not understanding what's really happening. Because here's the thing, we all think we're doing better than we are. Here's an example. And uh, uh, I love, a lot of this is, is, is from uh, uh, Pastor J.R. Vassar. Um, and, and he talks about this, but it is true, and it's true of all of us probably. Um, when we're driving, how many of us like to turn on the radio? Our favorite song comes on, we sing, right? We sing with it. And the radio's up, so when you are listening to the radio in your car, and you are singing with this, let's be honest, I sound pretty good, right? And when you're listening to that song, you know, maybe a, 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 a let's be a, a good Eagles song or uh, Tears for Fears, some good 80s music, sorry for the younger crowd, um, <laughs> or the older crowd, the 50s or 60s, it's good. You know what, I'm singing, or, or even a good worship song. I'm singing, and, and man, I feel like I'm hitting the same note that he's hitting, right? I'm sounding pretty good. This is really good. And, and you're just enjoying yourself, which is good, right? But if someone was to come in your car at that same time, and you're singing and immediately turn off the volume, and you're still singing, oh, my Lord, is that me singing, or did I just run over something? right? You do not want, because immediately, what does it do? It reveals what you really sound like. And it's not what you thought it sounded like, right? You never really, uh, uh, now, apologies to those that really can sing, and there are those that are doing good, but put it in other things, you know. Um, uh, we went to a painting class the other night. Uh, maybe that reveals, oh, wow, that's not for me. Uh, there's lots of different areas that reveal our true self. And this is what Jesus is trying to show you. Because I'm telling you, we're going through life in the same way. And we're going through life saying, I, I'm doing pretty good. In fact, I'm, I'm doing real good. My life is going good. My family is going, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, there's some hard times. And there's some pitchy parts, right? I missed that line. But man, we're still, Jesus is, what he's doing here is he's trying to turn off the volume so that you see yourself that, no, you're not doing good. And in fact, you don't want anyone to hear you, see you, or experience what I've just had to experience when I heard you. Because God hears us. He sees us. We're not what we think we are. And so until we stop trusting ourselves, but we need to hear ourselves and say, oh, I'm gonna stop singing, right? Until we make that decision, we never turn it over to him. So God is saying, will you stop trusting yourself and let me drive? And yes, it's going to be hard. You're going to have to give up some stuff. But believe me, I do it better. And what you miss when you let God get in the driver, you won't miss it. Because believe me, it wasn't as what you thought it was. It was, it was looking good, but it would leave you where you don't want to be. Proverbs we know this verse, we've had it up on our walls at times. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. You see, he doesn't desire to drive you off the road. That's not his heart. 
His heart is to get you somewhere where you will not imagine how much you will love it. But you got to trust him. Don't lean on your own understanding. Are you willing to renounce yourself, deny yourself? That's what it means to deny yourself. It means let him control where you go. See, some people think it means like to become a, a person who lives in a home uh, that you can't ever turn on the TV and you're just going to be dreary and I'm denying myself. That's not what it means. It means you stop making decisions and letting God drive your life. Now, that might mean turning off some of the TVs and the things and spending some time in the Word and prayer, but wherever he leads you, that's what brings us life. The second thing he said in those words is deny yourself, but then he said, pick up your cross. Take up your cross. We need to deny ourselves, and then we need to take up our cross. Now, when we think of taking up our cross... Sometimes it means dealing with some, some ADD stuff that I have. It's dealing with some emotions that I have. It's like a burden that I have to bear. It's my kids are a burden. Oh, but I just bear this cross. That's not what he's talking about. When Jesus said, take up your cross, he did not mean just bear the burden of life and whatever. And you see, the people of that day knew it. When he said, take up your cross, I think they gasped. <gasps> what? See, we've, we've taken it for granted now because the cross means something different to us. But when he's speaking this, take up your cross, it was the most disgusting thing that he could have told them. Because here's what the cross was. The cross was a Roman, a Roman institution to crush the people around. It was a public display that we're in charge and you're not and you will be crucified if you come against us. It was, it was not just death and it was death but here's what it was. It was a public death. You see, they could have just executed people. Okay, you got caught. You went to jail. We had a trial. You're killed. Bum, bum, bum. It's gone. No, but this is not what they did. It says we're going to do this in public and everyone is going to see. And you are going to be displayed, not just for one day, because it was not a quick death either. It was a slow death in front of everyone for days. Um, when Jesus said, take up your cross, he says, not only do you need to get out of the driver's seat of your life, you need to let the whole world know that it's no longer you alive. In other words, you need to march to your death. You need to begin to acknowledge that Jesus, it is for Jesus' sake. You see, the, the, the cross showed that Rome is in charge. I'm dying because Rome is in charge. When Jesus said, take up your cross, it's saying you're showing the world I'm dying because God is in control. And I don't care what the world thinks about that. I don't care what the world looks at us. It is a statement that puts God in control. And on the surface, that looks terrible and it sounds terrible. But you see, they didn't know what came after that. Resurrection. So many times we don't want to take up our cross because why would God want me to do that? God, why would God want me to die? And yet it's because we're refusing to look farther down the road to resurrection. And so he asks us to make a public display of our death. That means that when we publicly die, we open ourselves up to ridicule we open ourselves up to rejection. 
That means if we choose Jesus, sometimes your friends are going to make fun of you. And sometimes, maybe sometimes you're just going to miss out because you're on the cross. Well, we'll see it. We're going over here. I'm on the cross. I have to choose Jesus over the things of the world. But it's worth it. See, you've got to understand this. For all the pain and the sorrow, it's worth it. But it is a public death. Many times we are Christians, but we are the Superman Christians. I'm undercover. I'm the Clark Kents, right? And no one's going to see me uh, 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 even in a phone booth change. And most of us never change anyway. But there are no undercover Christians. What did he say? He said, if you're not willing to address me in front of others, I'm going to be ashamed of you when Jesus, when, when, when I stand before the Father. Now, he also said, if you are willing to be ashamed, to, to, to find the shame of the world, are you willing uh, to make a choice of your life that because Jesus is driving my life, other people are, are, are going to ridicule you, mock you, reject you? But that's okay because in the end, I don't care what you can give me, I care what God can give me. And when we do that, it brings us the resurrection that God promises. Um, so, are we willing to publicly let our life shine and let it be known that the reason I do things may be different from others, but I'm following Christ and I'm trusting Christ um, in what I do publicly. The third thing and the final thing we close with this, he said, deny yourself, pick up your cross. And here's the last thing that many of us leave out and follow him. We've got to follow Jesus. You see, it's one thing to get out of the driver's seat, to pick up our cross, but you got to stay on the bus. You got to keep following him. We've got to begin to understand that uh, uh, he is the only one that can lead us where we want to go. And it says daily, um, as we follow Jesus, following him is, is in ways of, of, first of all, in ways of service. Following Jesus means we begin to treat others in the way that Jesus Treated them. We realize that our life has a new purpose and it's not for me. It's not about myself anymore. We are unselfing ourselves. It is now about Jesus. And Jesus said, I've come to serve. I've come to touch others. I've come to love others. We now, if we are following Jesus, we are all about others. It's not about being critical. It's not about being judgmental because that's God's fault. That's his job. You see, he'll take care of that. It is not our job to tell them um, what they're doing wrong. It's our job to say there's someone that can lead them to life. And we are here simply to serve, simply to love, simply to have compassion and care. So as we follow him, we give ourselves to one another. But the other thing is in following him, we also begin to devote our life to a focus on him. Uh, so to follow him means to, to learn about him. I need to know you more. How can I follow you if I do not know you? And so there is a desire 
to be with him, to know him, to worship him. So our life of, of unselfing ourselves is a life filled with a passion to know more of Christ, which is why we come together as the church. Actually, for both of those things, as the church, this is where we serve and this is where we worship. And it is a passion-driven life because of what he is calling me to. As I am following Jesus, he becomes my focus. So we see that Jesus does not use a pitch. So all of these things, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me is not a pitch because it's not very appealing to a lot of people. It does not appeal to your desire. It it does not uh, 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 make flexible room for however you want to fit it in yourself. And Jesus cannot be molded to your desire. You see, a disciple of Jesus, it it is not up to you how it's going to work. But here's the thing, maybe as I've been talking, you've been thinking, well, it's a code. But here's the thing, it's not a code either. Jesus is not calling us to a code of a higher ethic. See, Jesus says, I'm not this outside entity that you are just to attain to. I am not giving you something out there that you just need to live by this code and inflexible and unmovable. Because you know what those people are called? They they are called the Pharisees. They're called the self-righteous. They're called religious church people who, who, who think that, that uh, it's all about them and, and everything they do is right. And we just have to follow this code. They're very legalistic. And you have to understand that the, the church people didn't like Jesus either. Because what he was asking, he was not asking us to live by a code. He was not asking us to be rigid and unflexible and, and, and be totally uncaring for ourselves. Because if you looked, he was, he was speaking to our own self-interest. He said, look, I'm not calling you to a code that you need to just forget yourself that you're not important. Because this is what you said, you are important. In fact, I am, I am speaking to your desire for pleasure because I want to give you pleasure. So he's not saying that it's just out there. He's saying, yes, it's in you but I just want to give you what you really want. He said, if you want life, if you lose your life, you will gain life. But if you want to gain your life, you'll lose it. He says, I'm just trying to keep you from making the wrong decision and not get the pleasure that you're wanting. I want to give you pleasure. We need to understand that God is a God who wants to please us. He said, don't you understand? My plans for you are to bless you, to give you life and a hope and a future. I'm not calling for you just to follow some rigid code that, that is just uh, uh, putting down yourself. There, there's many religions that says you just need to put down yourself so that we might reach nirvana, you know, never uh, uh, give in to the flesh. Jesus said, flesh is good as long as it's controlled by me. He said, I'm the one that gave you marriage. I love relationships. I love the, the passion that we can receive in life. And, and Jesus loved eating with people. He loved food. It tastes good. He didn't say, you know, okay, we're just going to give away all that pleasure. I'm glad that Jesus loved that and he wants us to enjoy it, but he does put boundaries on it. He says, I just want to give you boundaries that will lead you into the way of abundant life that you won't lose that life. So what is he really, it's not pitch and it's not code. 
So what is it? Jesus is asking us to enter into covenant. You see, I don't have a pitch to sell you because it's going to be hard. But I don't have a code to sell you because I don't want you to be rigid, unloving people. And in fact, I want you to enjoy life. So here's the deal. I want you to come into covenant with me. Just trust me and I'll give you a promise that if we will walk this thing together, you give up your control and you let me rule your life. And you know what? Together, we're going to find what creation is all about. But you got to trust me. And you got to realize that I'm the only one that can get you there. Covenant is a promise, but it's a promise that you agree to and that you enter into it and you receive from him. He says, I've made a promise to you that if you will follow me, it may be hard. But one day, I will bring resurrection to your life. And here's the thing. There's glory and there's suffering. And you're going to have both. Um, the disciples were waiting for glory right away. When Jesus came, isn't that what they expected? The Messiah's here. He's going to set us free. He's going to give us glory. But he said, well, yes, but we've got to suffer. What? That's not what we're expecting. But he's saying, here's the thing. You're going to have glory and you're going to have suffering, but you can't have them at the same time. You're going to have one and then the other. And here's the thing. Whichever one you choose last, that's the one that's going to last forever. So you can choose glory now and suffering later, but then the suffering's going to last forever. Or you can choose suffering now and glory later, and the glory will last forever. So here's the choice you have. We can either choose Jesus now, which may mean some suffering, although not constantly, because God walks with us, but then glory forever. But if you want to live your own life and control your own life, you're going to have some glory now. I'm going to be honest. Our young people, guys, you can choose glory. There's a lot of fun things. Elderly people, middle-aged people, there's still some glory for us now too. I know there's still glory for us. And we still enjoy life. But if we choose the glory now, then there's nothing left but the suffering. And then it's forever. That's not worth it. I will choose suffering now so that we may receive the glory that God has for us. And God says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has planned. Don't forfeit that for a few years of glory in this world. So today, will you come into covenant with Jesus? Will you die to self-rule? Will you die to self-control? Will you deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow him? And if you will do that, and it's a hard road, to unself ourselves, there is a great destination awaiting us. Let's bow our heads.